Yo, I'm Will. Welcome. I call this little experiment anything is everything. This has got to be called something. The intention here is to share interesting, courageous, enlightening, vulnerable, strange, silly conversations to uh, maybe hopefully inspire something in you. All right, cool. Bye. Hey, what's up, folks? Welcome back. I have an incredibly dear person to my heart and dear person to the community at large on today. This is Robin Clements, the founder, the brain, the heart of Breathwave. A connect consciously connected breathing practice modality. I haven't talked about it in a while. <laughs> How are you, Robin? Thanks for being here, bro. Thanks for having me, brother. I'm doing well. Mm-hmm. How's the winter going for you guys? Like just that really like, special it. season of it. Yeah, it's different. You know, last last winter we were up close to a ski hill, and I'm kind of missing that access to just going skiing every other day. You know, going snowboarding, but we've been uh, getting a little tobogganing in. There's been a lot more snow on Bowen Island than what we usually get, so we've been enjoying just being snowed in. And yeah, the island life—it's beautiful. Hunkering so down, good. tending the fire, chopping wood, kick, changing diapers. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of new diapers this year. It's great. How's a little shy? He's doing great, man. He's so chill. It's amazing. <laughs> Can't imagine why. <laughs> Could it be that he, even he has experienced Breathwave? For sure. Yeah, throughout <laughs> the womb and, you know, amongst other medicine ceremonies. And, yeah, you know, he's very different than his sister. His sister's still full on fire energy, Sagittarius. Uh huh. But they're going to be a nice balance. <laughs> Both my, what, my greatest what's teachers. his element you know he was he's cancer he was born at the end oh. of june yeah epic yeah so yeah, i really enjoyed the cancer energy in my life my first teacher was cancer and there's a, just a real sweet presence and generosity generally you know with that archetype in the wheel and yeah, he's really coming into his power and almost crawling. And he's only just almost seven months. So, wow. yeah, loving his presence. That's so magic. It's got to be like the most, probably, it's got to be, it's got to be the most incredible experience that a human can go through is to be a parent. What do you think? You are one. It's an initiation for sure, brother. It's been the greatest initiation that I've been through and I've had lots of rites of passage and powerful mm. initiations including vision quests and all that but yeah you know being a being a father and a mother is uh you know it shows you your level of maturity and mm -hmm. I've been tuning into this book a little bit uh, and I say a little bit because it's a matter of time to be able to sit back and read a book with two of them but it's called Never in Anger, written by this woman who spent uh, a couple of years with an Eskimo family 
and she noticed how mature they were as adults and they basically found it that it was it was the most credible or the most ref- clearest reflection of our emotional maturity as adults to not be a child when we're parenting you know uh. and obviously you know our inner child comes up as we're triggered right in our relationships and they do everything to to test our limits and push our buttons so learning new ways of communicating and this new child has been a real blessing just to see how much love there is between eden and i my wife and we don't have any time for our own bullshit anymore and there's just so much holding space but also so much enjoyment, you know, of just their process. It's it's so it's such a high speed evolution, you know, how quickly they grow and develop yeah. and their wit and their intelligence and how they have everything intact. Um it takes a while to put together the, the coordination and the languaging and and all that. Um but yeah, they have everything that they need, you know, give them a little chi-chi and uh, they're good to go. And each of them are so unique. Yeah, they're definitely my greatest teachers. And to have this idea that they came from us, you know, there's not an ownership there. It's just really a stewardship. Uh, there's, there's a guidance wow. there, just setting them off into freedom. Yeah, I've been tuning into my why recently as things change in the world and I'm looking at new projects and, you know, particularly building a village for the community because it's time. And, you know, I read a really powerful book in my early years of my, my spiritual path and it was The Power of Intention by Wayne Dyer. And hmm. I love his Eastern connection with some of the teachings that have been completely removed from our education of you know the power of setting intention and having the feeling that it's already happening and how that changes our chemistry and our hormones and the vibrational imprint that we send out into the universe that comes back and so i've been tuning into my why and on a deeper and deeper level realizing how it's really about freedom but what is what is freedom you know, it's a different definition for all of us. And, mm-hmm. and I'm learning more and more with my passion with breath work that yes, freedom is a very personal thing, but it's, it's a freedom to be who we really are. And we bring that out in each other, in our, on all of our relations. Right. And so a lot of what we confront on the spiritual path and in our deepest relations is our resistance, right? Mm. Or our own agenda, Mm -hmm. right? Noticing where our ideas of how things should be unfolding get in the way and we get stuck on, you know, oh, it's not happening my way, you know, so I'm going to put up a fit. And so my four-year-old's showing me that that emotional fit that can happen when she gets stuck on our ideas and reflecting to me how much sweeter and smoother it can be when we 
let go of our ideas of how things should be. Mm. But at the same time, we're informed with this biocomputer that we are of how things can unfold and clear communication, you know, the way of counsel in a family is just as important as in, in a, any business or any tribal council, the, the clear communication of what our, what our needs are, how we see things happening and how we would like to see things unfolding. So for a child, it's, it's all about, you know, them getting what they want. Right. But they're constantly manipulating to get <laughs> things the way they want them. And we have to set some boundaries to teach them, you know, that they can't just manipulate the world. There has to be some discernment and respect of the ways that we're sharing space with others. So it's been a beautiful dance, beautiful dance for, for Eden and I. I see how much uh, my wife gives, you know, of herself every day as a young mother. And it's astounding. I'll never know the feeling or what it takes to bring a child into the world as, as a woman. Uh, but those are the two most beautiful ceremonies that I've been a part of. And uh, this last one was epic. You know, I could talk about um, my sister Mackenzie, who's a, a birth mother, not a mother herself, but she's passionate about birth attending. She invited me to be on her podcast as the first man. She's She's got this podcast, Mama Psychedelia. So I'm going to talk more about the birth experience on, on that podcast uh, in a couple of weeks. But essentially, Eden wanted to, re to free birth, and she wanted to do it all on her own. Wow. At, at the retreat center we were staying at, it was a non-negotiable by the owner and the space holder there that we needed to have a doula or a midwife. So we brought a doula on, and she only joined us for the last couple hours. And we realized how our expectations of how things potentially were going to be a lot smoother. You know, Sophia's birth was beautiful. It was at home, but it was long. And it was a good uh -huh. 16 hours. And we thought, ah, oh, this will be a breeze, you know. And it was, yeah. he was two pounds bigger. It was a lot more intense and painful for her. And she wasn't opening for hours and hours and hours. And it was wow. just her and I in our trailer. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, it was really powerful. So I was DJing for her and playing some music for her and singing and praying. And uh, she was, you know, digging her nails into me and every rush. And eventually, um, as we let go more of how it was supposed to be and just really open to what it was, which any ceremony teaches us, things started to to open to his timing of what he needed and how long it took for his head to be shaped through the birth canal and to come out like a stretched melon and he you know he was just so perfect it was all just so perfect and we've got a really powerful teaching from the doula that was there for us her name is alicia and she's she was brought into the world by one of the pioneers of home birthing, Gloria LeMay. Uh, many years ago, you know, she's in her early 40s now. And so she's an advocate and very thoroughly studied 
the teaching we got from her was we, we brought her in when there was some concern like when is when are we going to open here when is this gonna is there anything in the way is there can you see any thing that's not happening um in a good way that might be an emergency and mm. all she did was check in with eden's eyes she just looked in her eyes and she knew that she had it she knew that she was going to carry herself through just from what she saw in her eyes. I had looked in the birth canal and I thought that I, what I saw might have been some, it was some sort of a membrane. I thought it might have been a cord or something. And it was just her tissues, you know, there opening. And she didn't even want to look, you know, she just said, and every little thing that she did, she asked permission which is what we teach facilitators, you know, that consent. Mm -hmm. But it was the trust and the and the confidence that, that all was going to be and come out just fine. That attitude um, really set a little bit more calm mm -hmm. into our hearts and ultimately that helped Eden shift into a little bit more surrender with this, you know, as painful as that is. So yeah, man, it's it's a journey, and it just keeps changing. You know, we, with with the first one, we thought, okay, when is it going to get easier? But it doesn't get any easier; it just changes. Uh huh. Right, and we keep <laughs> growing together because the 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 child is also experiencing you grow up as an adult. <laughs> yeah. Right, and so it's been a really humbling uh, initiation to to even find more calm at, at holding space before, you know, my, my four-year-old's very fiery. She's, she's very emotional. And Eden was like that during that pregnancy. And we knew or assumed because of the second pregnancy, how chill Eden was and how relaxed and easy on herself she was that, that this, this new boy was going to be like that too. And, we didn't know if wow. it was going to be a boy or a girl, but to have a boy and a girl has been a huge blessing. And yeah, it feels very complete, very complete now. You know, I've had wow. jokes from, from brothers around me like, oh, it's, it's time for a vasectomy. And, and then I'd realized like, I don't, I don't know if that's something I want to do. I think that would cut off a certain potency. And then I received a confirmation from a sister who said, yes. As soon as my husband got vasectomy, there wasn't the same power and potency that was there because he couldn't make a child anymore. And I felt a very strong shift when his tubes were tied, you know. Mm -hmm. So just going to have to continue to be careful. <laughs> <laughs> back to high school careful but the time that we get you know as as busy parents to be intimate and to have time to ourselves this is is much fewer and far between so i think the one of the greatest things that we learn as we continue to grow and evolve is to enjoy things the way they are yeah and, you know i see brothers or sisters you know really looking to, oh, I really want a family, or I really want this, or I really want that. And they, they all come with greater challenge, right? So to enjoy that freedom uh, when we have it, 
for what it is to really just more be more at peace with the way things are i think ultimately that's what our that's what our life is about as as breath facilitators as healing practitioners bringing people to to a greater sense of peace mm-hmm. it's like if we want to see peace in the world now we need to master peace for ourselves and so the the real ceremony is our day to day inside the home you know tending to the things that need to be done the dishes and the food and the diapers and right the the sweetness how much more sweetness and presence uh, can we have with each other than just uh, wanting to avoid the challenges with more distractions i see that mm-hmm. tendency as westerners as like needing to you know resort to my phone or whatever it is that might give me a little bit of calm you know having a just five minutes to myself so i can do some breathing and yet i can drop in and connect with my children and, and play with them and do some movement and some breathing as well right mm. so to embrace the opportunities that that we have for what they are and what they're what they're showing us uh, is not the spiritual bypassing by any means Mm-hmm. Dude, so good. Thanks for sharing all that. That's so magic. There are so many light bulbs that went off too. But I mean, the biggest one is like just that surrendering into the present, right? Because it, when you're when you're too focused on like what you thought was going to be happening, that, you know, you're definitely not <laughs> in the present because you're thinking about all the steps that led to it not being, you know, so... How does that uh, how does that translate into like into the breath? And I guess I can I'll just share really quick is that in level one when I took the training for like the first four days, so the first eight sessions, I was just like fully present. I was just fully with the breath, and I like wasn't having any like crazy experiences you know people were like seeing angels and like giving birth to these energetic babies and like healing all these crazy things and I was just like kicking myself so I was like am I doing this wrong like what the what is happening and then it wasn't until like the last day or maybe the third from last that I just like completely let go of all expectation and then I had like super profound experiences Mm -hmm. you know so like what what is that what is that really about that that power of surrender Hmm. Well, there's a course of uh, of unfolding, you know, where our expectations and our intentions also set the tone and the pathway for the direction of the experience, whatever it is, mm. whether I'm going to go for a walk in the woods or I'm going to drop into ceremony with my breath or with the plant medicine. What is our prayer? What is what is our intention? And so I feel like some people come to spiritual circle and they're just kind of nonchalant about exploring something new. And that can be effective because the breath can get things moving really quickly. Mm-hmm. When we're able to use self-inquiry to ask really powerful questions and to hear some clarity about what is the next step for us 
like when we ask ourselves, what is it that's wanting to be born in me now yeah. to experience more peace in my relationships or right when we're when we're just overwhelmed by the circumstances of our life for example what's going on in the world right now it's like we could be gaslighting of all the things that are going wrong because of all the things that everyone else is doing but what's that showing me about myself right and so what you're speaking to about the breath experience is it, it takes us some time to adjust and manage the experience of just dropping into our vibrational energy and for most people it's 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 80 percent mental when we get into something that's very new you're opening up neural pathways you're learning how to breathe in different areas of your body you're learning how to correct a breathing pattern that was given to you through the nature of your life experience that's been engraved for for many years and it's been mostly unconscious and so it's a very mental process of starting to correct certain things and it doesn't get super activated and transpersonal until you let go of the form and you let go of doing and you just really drop into being breathed by the experience itself or by the maker of breath that breathes us all and then you're taken on on a ride and you're taken on a journey and it starts to open up higher brain centers and activates new insights and there's a lot more information coming in right now than ever you know we're in the center of the photon belt of the galaxy as has been prophesized and I'm pretty blown away at the at the information that's been pouring in when I'm when I stay tuned in with my practice. Uh, I've been getting a lot of downloads lately, and that'll happen in a collective container when we have a shared intention to open the space, and it's done so in a in a, in a beautiful way by the leader of the container. Things really open up, and there's very real science and uh, also shamanic tradition to the power of opening not just our personal space but the collective container for us to be conduits of alignment between the fire in the sky and the fire in the earth and the fire in our hearts and that transmission that can come through and a lot of that process for people is the deprogramming of the subconscious mind, the deprogramming of the stories that we've gathered through our life experience. Because when we experience something heavy, we shut down our breath pattern and we tend to hold the memory of that experience, which might be traumatic, at a deeper level of our being, which we know is the pain body or the emotional body. So as we start to raise our vibrational frequency with a connected breath, such as breath wave we start to stir things up and the most important component there is to learn to regulate our nervous system and we didn't know that when rebirthing came to the west from babaji from you know the pioneers of rebirthing leonard orr and those pioneers who are some of my teachers brought it to the west they didn't know and they weren't taught in a more refined way 
how to regulate the nervous system. They just knew how to activate their energy with with our breathing, right? And so there was a very motivated sort of Western approach that was brought into the vibrational medicine power of breath work that a lot of people still relate to because that's the experience that they got. That's the way others were trained. And that's the way some people still go about delivering it is getting people to this high vibrational journey as fast as we can. And the more we humble ourselves, as the more we learn, we realize that it's actually much more effective to go in more gently and to let this organic intelligence um, open more gradually, which can be managed more easily because too much too soon can be too much for many people because the amount of trauma and stories that we carry and the amount of blocked energies that we have in the body. So you can continue to explain if you like in this, in this video podcast here, what your experience was as you dove in a little bit deeper. But what I find more and more is that, as people are able to regulate the nervous system, they're able to drop into a much deeper place in themselves. So there's the type A type of breather who wants to get a lot moving and they tend to be muscling and fighting things in life and overworking. And the other spectrum is the lethargic sort of lazy one that needs a little bit of motivation to get things moving to find the middle way between the in-breath and the out-breath that the enliven the aliveness of enlivening your in-breath which i like to feel as the masculine and then the feminine quality of the water that balance of effort and surrender is really where we find the sweet spot and that's where things really tend to open but i've seen softness crumble and crack the hardest shells in really big men especially you know, that have been muscling it their whole lives. And when we truly start to be more gentle and soft with ourselves is when we start to crack open. We let the floodgates open. We start to move some emotion. We start to let go of some grief. And it's the emotion that's at the root of all of our symptoms, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I hope that answers your question. Um <laughs> Just to get me talking yeah. about jamming about breathwork a little bit, but that's where I've been at these days, and I just love it because you know, like I said, my why is freedom, and the people obviously experience obviously experience more freedom as they tune in with themselves in these ways. Right. Yeah the the analogy that comes to me for like that the way of gentleness versus the way of like overpowering is like if you got to chop down a big tree. And you're just swinging the axe as absolutely hard as you can every time. You're just going to get tired and it's not going to be that effective. But if you just, you know, use the weight, be more gentle, you know, let the tool do the work, let the breath do the work, you know, then you're going to get there a lot easier or, you mm -hmm. know, generally. Because you always say that in training is that we're taking the work out of breath work, right? So like we just, we just need to contribute our presence is is kind of what I tell people, uh, you know, just really focus on that in-breath, you know, bring in as much as you can and then just let it go. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I want to touch on the difference because, it, you know, a lot of people haven't experienced more gentle styles of breath work. They've been exposed to holotropic work or or other really motivated practices of breath mm. work. And what I see is that there's this Western addiction to drama, <laughs> you know, of just wanting to be dramatic. Cause so we go into, you know, a, a ceremony even that we're actually being called to use more discernment and a little, use a little bit more noble silence because people, other people are going through their stuff too. And people uh-huh. don't know how to not be dramatic. Um, we don't see that in our circles, but people that have come to from other circles and they're they're still trying to fight and they're making a lot of noise and they're being really dramatic and they feel like that's beneficial for them. I find that the most effective thing that I can say to them in, in the shortest amount of time is just that you're not here to fight, you're here to be at peace. And then something cracks and they just mm-hmm. let the intelligence that's already moving and much more intelligent than we are personally, right? There's less story. We let the stories fall away. We let the the work be done. And there's a cracking open as opposed to this like Hulk style fight, you know, of wanting to get it done. And that's a beautiful shift that can be a really powerful catalyst in, in someone's spiritual journey to allow more. And, you know, some of the Eastern teachers will, will say it's that the spiritual path is more about letting than it is about getting anything. We have everything that we need when we come in, and that's how I was explaining mm-hmm. about my children. But we also accumulate all sorts of programs as we come along and one of them is the the competitive nature right uh like i mm. i grew up playing hockey and even though i was you know exposed to punk rock and and plant medicines at a young age which were probably my greatest modalities of, of freedom and expression um there was a there was a real competitive nature uh, mm. And so the authority complex was my biggest trauma. I was born, born with a lot of doctors on me. My father was a policeman when I was born. And it wasn't till I let go of the whole, my father's vision of be, being a pro hockey player, because I was playing some junior by the time I was at the end of my you know, hockey days. And mm. I was a goaltender. And I was good. Um, but it wasn't what I wanted. And mm-hmm. I was looking at a scholarship and playing hockey at a college away from home. And I just gave up and I quit. And I went to the other side of the planet to learn how to surf. And I met the dolphins. And that just cracked me open, you know, in a very different way to feel that that safety in the wild with a clan of dolphins was just so different than anything I'd ever felt with a clan of jocks in a, in a locker room, you know, or on the ice that I felt safe and held 
in a way that I never had. And it cracked me open. I was in tears for days and wrote about it for days. And it, it set me on to my, to my path. And as I fell in love with the ocean, that, you know, when that tr trip, New Zealand, Australia was done when I was 20 for a year, I stayed as long as I could. I got the last flight on the last day back <laughs> of a year nice. open flight. And uh, I lived on the ski hill for a season and I just knew I needed to get back to the ocean. And that's where I ended up. A caravan, some brothers to go on a surf safari and landed on my feet and stayed in Mexico for 25 years or 23 years. Oh, wow. I didn't know it was that long in Mexico. That's incredible. I also forget some, I had forgot that we have like the same exact same story of sports and then leaving in university. That's so awesome. Hmm. So I get it. I get it, man. It's so wild that it's so wild that what you just shared about like your first real, you know, not forced natural spiritual experience and calling was with the dolphins, you know, which are like the animals, the creatures of breath. Yeah. You know, and then they, and then the waves, because, oh man, it's so good. So, okay, well, tell me about Mexico. What happened when you, what happened when you got down there? Oh, that's a great question. We were just <laughs> camping out on the beach. You know, I, I wasn't that happy yet. I was still really learning how to surf. And I was at this fickle beach break that wasn't easy. And um, I noticed myself getting frustrated trying to, get a good one uh you know at a a beach break is not an easy a great place to learn but not an easy place to get really good rides so you know surfing is 95 percent paddling if you're good mm -hmm. <laughs> right the rewards rewards are very short-lived mm -hmm. and so i noticed myself you know i was still smoking and drinking and camping out on the beach and you know eating what we call cloggers which is a a flour tortilla with uh with avocado and hot sauce and you eat enough of them and you're gonna clog up bro <laughs> but eventually i got pumbled in that wave uh pulling into a barrel uh, in about a foot and a half of water i got pumbled on the sand and i thought i broke a rib and a sister of mine sent me to a chiropractor and right away he looked at my heart surgery posture which was super rounded in the chest my shoulders were forward and he said open your heart up you know and he adjusted my back and and he said uh i'm doing a bodywork course in a couple of weeks why don't you come and you can camp out in my yard and and i'll give you a deal on the course so me and these two friends i met on the beach came and did the course and and i lived with him for three years apprentice with the guy and started doing oh, massage and that was my first introduction to breathwork. He was teaching postural integration. It was an offshoot of rolfing. Jack Painter took Ida Rolf's work and added breathing and movement to this advanced mm -hmm. deep tissue, uh, seven to 10 sessions of peeling the body open. And that was powerful for me. And right away, I started working at a hotel doing massage, but he also was taking me under his wing. He gave me Richard Freeman's Ashtanga yoga videos. And that was only a couple of years after playing junior hockey. So I was still pretty wide open with my flexibility and yoga was pretty natural to me. 
but it felt so good to start to connect my breathing. And I was able to take what I was enjoying in the ocean and experience it on land. I also met mm. Jerry Lopez at a, at, at that, in those first years because uh, my teacher would do some body work on him and eventually started doing some work with Jerry on his body. And he's, mm. you know, surfing was measured by Jerry. He was the first guy to start pulling into pipeline. And okay. I had some really great teachers, you know, and most of all, you know, the people, the culture, the love, the heart, the ceremony. I hadn't experienced such an immersed ceremonial culture. Um, and I, I still haven't as any part in the world. The, mm. the Mexican young ones are really held in, they have that opportunity, especially on the mainland of Mexico, to, to be sweating frequently. There's elders around them, the elders and the medicine people are very openly sharing. And we don't experience that same openness with the with the elders um, in North America, particularly in Canada, because the wounds are so fresh. We, as what the white man, we've been doing nothing but taking away from them, and they're very reluctant to to open themselves to, you know, white men that just want to come up, come in, and take more. You know, so mm -hmm. I learned to come with an offering to give something of myself before I receive anything and that opens a more reciprocal relationship and I've, I've, I've gained some beautiful First Nations teachers but Mexico just really gave me so much bro that really developed who I am today the the sweat lodge the plant medicines the culture the surf the people the the friendship you know the the tribe and the ability to develop my craft with a very low overhead was the probably the hugest blessing because within a few years of being a massage practitioner, I had my own studio slash yoga studio. And my rent was like 3,000 pesos a month, which just was like $200 Canadian, you know, mm -hmm. and, I, and my house rent was like four. So... I had to work very little to meet my have my have my needs met to meet those needs and I see how challenging it is in a society that's based on survival with more and more and more expenses to cover to actually be able to get ahead without the stressful pressure of having to meeting the demands of the overhead you know to have this the space to work outside of your home is a real gift to not have to mix your home space with your workspace. Mm -hmm. So I was able to develop my craft and uh, even before I had a studio, you know, I got quite successful and I could do, you know, as little as five or six massages in a week and I was living pretty sweet. So that was a, it was a huge blessing to make the choice to to stay there it was it only took me six months to realize that that's where i was supposed to be for a while and uh, i just kept falling deeper in love with the people and the culture and it's so rich with art and dance and yeah of course i fell in love with a mexican woman and that for that four years really polished up my spanish and uh you know deepened my 
depth and humility as a gentleman. Uh-huh. As you know, the women are leading the culture there. They lead the family container. It's really uh, a very feminine uh, culture. You know, the Latin, if you don't know how to move your hips uh, after you've been in Mexico for a few years, it's like you're just dancing with one foot, you know, like a white man. And eventually you got to drop into your roots. You got to open up that sexual center and, and be in integrity with it. And, and also learn that, that respect and rapport and to be a gentleman. And like, I didn't learn to, to open a car door for a woman or walk her across the street. It was just like, we just, we treated our, our women as our bros almost, you know, up in North America. And so it was a, it was a big transformation for me to, to see the ways that my conditioning, my ego, my expectations of myself uh, were getting in the way of, of my own growth. But eventually we're, we confront these things, you know, life shows up with us what we need to look at until we get the message (laughs) yeah it's pretty good design that way you can't really can't really avoid the lessons Mm -hmm. so good so did uh did the did the breathwork come in those first three years of of staying with uh with that man Thank you. Yeah, it really did because I dove into this style of body work and I was exploring with breath and and movement with with isolating right. certain musculature and I got to be known as more of a sports massage guy because mm-hmm. this teacher I had was a phenomenal magician of the body so he taught me how to to help people's injuries and to really get into the tissues to help people discharge, you know, the the trauma of whatever experiences or accidents that were there and bring things back alive. And the power of that was the was in the breath work. I wasn't taught properly how to balance the breath pattern. I was just exploring with the breath. So I had some really powerful potentially dangerous journeys uh of taking um mouthfuls of psilocybin mushrooms and going into the mountains with some of my friends and elders and doing some breath work without knowing that I was really knowing what I was doing and just <laughs> peeling layers of emotion. Um, you know, I had open heart surgery when I was four years old and to get your sternum sawed open and your ribs bent out at that age. Um, that was a big one for me to integrate. And there were some big pieces of catharsis, especially once I met my teacher. And so there was a woman down there who learned transformational breath from the founder of transformational breath. She was one of the pioneers of of the raw food movement. Her name was Wendy Riddell. And she started doing breath circles and I really enjoyed it. I was going every week and eventually I was having such powerful experiences that I said, you know, let's bring the source of this down here. So we contacted Judith Kravitz the founder of Transformation mm-hmm. of Breathing and brought her down. And essentially, she learned from rebirthing from Leonard Orr. And about a year later, she was diagnosed with a malignant tumor in her throat. And she changed a few things in her diet, but she just dove into her emotional body with the breath. 
And within six months, she was putting cream on her neck and she realized there was no lump there anymore and she got it checked out and she realized she'd just heal herself of cancer. So she yeah. brought sound healing. One of the things she realized in her journey was that it was some unexpressed anger that she was holding on to in her throat. Mm. As I've worked with metaphysicians over the years, they remind us that at the root of any symptom, that manifests in the body at the root of the chain of imbalance is trauma or memory mm. or emotion that's at the root of it. And so I've grown to see how effective the breath is for tapping into that root of whatever it is that's going on with symptoms, someone's symptomology. So when I met Judith, it was really tumultuous uh time i was still really dabbling in in partying i mean i was in my 20s bro so i was still partying a lot and i had this spiritual path that was calling me and my surfing was really keeping me intact because you know i had to not party too much to be able to have the energy you know mm -hmm. and stamina to be able to not get my ass kicked in the ocean but the the waves there in baja were super gentle um mm. so it, you know it wasn't like surfing hawaii but it was a process of really just gradually noticing what was in alignment for me and what was it and so when i dove into transformational breath she invited me to step up to a whole nother level because she said you can be a teacher of this and you can actually be one of our senior trainers and and i see potential in you but you've got to start to organize your life and she had this beautiful structured training program which eventually i used some of those components to to establish the breathwave training program and eventually well, first, I just want to touch on the, those those first few years because she was an mm -hmm. angel for me. She really opened my heart. Every one of the facilitators that was trained with her propped me up to breathe properly into my chest because I wasn't breathing, and it was painful for me to breathe into my heart and mm -hmm. open that pain that was in my heart. And so eventually I cracked open from the inside. I peeled the layers of the trauma that I had experienced, not just, you know, from surgery, but from adolescence and this similar trauma that we all experienced growing up, our parents' stuff and and our own karmic stuff. And I was blown away at how powerful and effective the breath work was and transformational breath has a reputation of being a little bit pushy and so you've got one facilitator for every three breathers in the training so you've always got someone pushing your buttons and motivating you to go to the next level right mm. and that's partly why i i eventually found a little bit more of a gentle approach but the refinement of that technique of what Judith had learned was way more accurate than what I'd experienced with other modalities. I'd experienced Dambrulé's work and, and I felt like it was a little bit unfocused. Dambrulé is a dear friend of mine. He's one of the pioneers of rebirthing. He's about to do the breathing festival. 
He's breathed hundreds of thousands of people over the last 30 plus years all around the planet. Um, but finding transformational breath was really perfect for me because of the focus of correcting someone's breathing pattern. And that's where I really learned to refine my work as a facilitator in noticing how people were breathing, first of all, by witnessing, getting out of my own agenda of where I wanted to take people and check in with where they're not breathing and where they're controlling. Mm -hmm. And so this is where the magic comes in of self-inquiry in your explorative uh, energetic practice of the breath is you're able to notice where where you're butting up against yourself with your breath mm -hmm. pattern. Where are you controlling? Are you forcing anywhere? Where are you avoiding feeling in the body? And so first we correct the breathing pattern. That's the very first step. Get someone breathing into the belly eventually get them into the chest and then start to notice when the survival mechanisms come in where they're controlling and teach them to relax in and correct those controlling patterns. So I really have to hand it to Judith. She's still teaching today. She's got about a thousand certified facilitators across the planet. It got to a point after becoming a senior trainer for her foundation and there was this feeling that I wanted to start to teach the program, but it was a little bit wishy-washy for me what she had in. I wanted to be doing more movement, more yoga. The mm -hmm. biggest difference was that we were taught to be a presenter standing up in front of a group of people that were sitting like a classroom. I wanted to be more in circle. I was spending more and more time in the sweat lodge and the power of the circle energy was really potent and real for me. And I knew it was something ancient. And so I wanted to bring that into the trainings. And she wasn't open to letting go of the reins of how the program needed to be taught. And mm -hmm. as much as I requested that, she said, no, I want you to teach it how I'm teaching it. And small percentage goes to the foundation, etc. And uh, so that was a real obvious call in my heart to to share something that was a little bit more ceremonial circular mm -hmm. a little bit more humble let the people lead the experience themselves in a way and that's how that's how breathway was born and it, you know it's been it's been several years now and it just continues to blossom and i'm just astounded and i i love it as much as i did the first day when i explored teaching it you know, on my own, no matter how, what size the circle or what demographic of people are there, we, we attract our people, right? Ultimately, what we share is where we're at with ourselves as teachers. But when the, when the student is ready, the teacher shows up, you know, and when the student is really ready, the teacher disappears. So I want to honor you, brother, and your in your path and your journey with the breath and uh you know how i've seen you grow as a man um i was honored to be a part of this today just because of how much i love and appreciate who you are i know you're bringing good messages out into the world and um yeah thanks for bringing me on to share a little bit of my experience <laughs> 
You can't pump me up. That's my job. <laughs> pump you up and say like, oh God. You're like, I'm, I've been so, anytime I sit in circle with you, I'm so impressed by something new, whether it's like, <clears throat> whether it's like your humility or like just the way you can, the way you can just be so present for different people's situations and like offer them what they need in the moment. And one thing that I really wanted to comment on <clears throat> was that this this characteristic that I've seen in you is like probably one of the most rare characteristics I've ever seen in that. So we were in a circle and somebody, somebody kind of finished their process a bit early and then they pulled out their phone. And this is obviously not, you don't bring a phone to any ceremony, you know, you got, you stay with it, even if you're out of this, the thing, whatever. And people definitely noticed. And <clears throat> what I noticed in you was that you addressed it right away, you know, after the after the ceremony had concluded, but we were still in circle. You addressed it right away. You know, you were looking right into his eyes. And you were so you were so stern but so loving at the same time. I was like so amazed because I don't think I'd ever actually seen that before. And like, I I know, you know, the feeling that I'm talking about because it's like such an elder, like grandma, grandpa quality. You know what I mean? But like, dude, amazing. Thank <laughs> you. I'd love to speak to that. And, you know, I've experienced teachers of mine that have been really hard on me and it's been really mm -hmm. good at times but it's also sort of crushed me because of the authority conflicts that I've had. And, mm. you know, there are certain things need to be called out, but you want to maintain the love. And mm. I don't like to condemn people or to shame people. And things just need to be brought to someone's attention. You know, mm -hmm. we don't need to make an example of each other, but there's a certain quality of the flow. and respect and discernment of the energy of how things are moving that just need to be brought to people's awareness people aren't trained you know we've lost the power of ritual and ceremony in the west so people don't grow up in ceremony you know kids grow up with their phones these days so it's like you know if you want to experience more of this put it aside and uh it can be it could be shared in a really sweet way thank you for speaking to that Mm -hmm. so good i would love to uh i'd love to get your because you mentioned it really quick and i don't think everybody would understand just off the uh off the title but what a breath pattern is thank you so as i as i mentioned it's given to us through the nature of our life uh, we experience mm -hmm. everything through our breath through our spine you know what what we what we store in the body is stored in our breath it's stored in our spine so some people don't breathe at all in their lower energy centers it's been a very confusing experience for most of us to open into our sexuality mm. to explore our creativity and to feel stable 
and safe here on the earth. Those are the qualities that are in the lower energy centers. And so it takes willingness and courage to just drop in to the pelvis. So the first thing we do is to open someone in their belly, in the lower energy centers. We know we're breathing diaphragmatically when the diaphragm moves into the belly and massages the internal organs. There's not a lot of air that moves into the belly. It's mostly the diaphragm and the organs that move. But it's an energetic feel. You can feel the chemistry that opens. There's a gland in every one of our chakras. The, the chakral system is our glandular system. And mm -hmm. so that's our endocrine system. Yeah. Ganglia of neurons, of chemistry, and electricity. Thanks for the loving dog here in the background. When we open in the root, we're very much opening our gonads, you know, our sexual potency. When the root opens into the belly, we're very much opening our creativity, our self-worth, and that opens into the power center. Some people breathe really well and they're really grounded in their power. But they don't breathe much in the heart at all because they've experienced some heartbreak, which we all have. So we've had some grief, some pain in the heart that we've shut down the heart. We haven't wanted to feel. We haven't had the tools to feel that grief. And that can create anxiety. It can end up creating panic attacks if you don't get in touch with the grief in your life. But there's also love there, right? So when we see the breath moving through all areas, we start to correct our breathing pattern. But it's not only the capacity of our breathing pattern, but the flow and the quality, what I like to call the quality of the rhythm of our breathing pattern. Hmm. And that's really about learning to regulate our nervous system. When you hear a dog barking, it's triggering. Yeah. Now, we can learn how to consciously influence our emotional state by opening and balancing our breath pattern. As soon as I'm going to relax my exhale, it tells, gives a message to my body through my nervous system and the vagus nerve, which goes from the belly to the brain. If I breathe in my belly... Safety and trust live in the belly. So all I have to do is take a deep breath in the belly and relax my exhale, and I remind my body that I'm safe again. I'm not threatened. This dog's not going to kill me. Yeah. He's just having a bad day. And that's true with anyone else. It's like people are losing their shit. There's a lot of people that are on the verge of losing their shit right now. Yeah. But we can radiate love and stability and comfort and happiness to anyone at any time, no matter what they're sending us. And so this, this time in the world has been a beautiful challenge for me. It's like someone's telling me to put on a mask, you know. And, I, you know, there's a path of least resistance. We got to pick our battles. I'm not going to, like, test someone's belief. But I'm also going to be really clear that 
I consider a mask to be harm because I'm breathing my own exhaust. Can you show me how I'm causing anyone any harm by not wearing a mask? You know, the science actually shows us now that asymptomatic people are not a threat to anyone. And it's pretty shocking as a, it's funny we're getting into this, but it's it's just reality, right? Um, mm-hmm. We've gotten to this place where, you know, we're demonizing healthy people and you see someone, you know, literally in a wheelchair, you know, eating McDonald's hamburgers telling us, you're making me unhealthy, <laughs> you know, by by not wearing a mask. So there's a there's a discernment and a respect to like allowing people to be who they are, but I'm also unafraid now as I've been studying the law of mankind of like what's my property and where I draw the line of someone telling me what I'm supposed to do with my property, right? And what is actually causing anyone any harm and those are the first instructions that creator gave us walk gently and cause no one no harm we cause no we cause each other no harm and we walk gently those are the first instructions from creator Mm. and that's why the legal system was established for us to keep each other safe you know it we can't just punch someone across the face these days you know because we can sue each other because that's that's harm and if i don't if i don't give you consent to punch me then i can sue you for that now right so that keeps us safe there's there's, the laws are there for a reason but these mandates no one really knows what the word mandate means as a breath worker i haven't muzzled with a a face diaper this whole time Um, when it's absolutely necessary and I go into a local store that that's requiring it or else they're gonna you know deny you of their service then I I wear a shield Um, and I found that by just asking you know I was at Costco one day and they were telling me I had to wear one and I said no I don't and he said okay well you got to wear one of these I was like okay this is great and you know I can I can't see that well but I can breathe just fine you know and then I got up to the till and the lady's like you can take this film off of the off of the shield there's a <laughs> there's a little plastic film on it I took it off I'm like oh great I can see and I can breathe <laughs> so I just keep one of those and every once in a while I go to Costco and get a new one when they get when they get scratched up but I you know I see that um there's been such hypnosis of you know this this psychological warfare and and some people are literally in psychosis they're they're literally afraid so i'm going to respect that and i'm not going to like tread on someone's beliefs but i might start to gently and softly warmly educate someone of the benefits of breathing fresh air it also can just be a practice for someone to breathe through the nose if you're if you're still choosing to wear a mask these days to respect other people, which I get. Um, 
then breathe through your nose. You don't have to put it over your nose. Don't make someone put it over your nose. Breathe through your nose. It's good to breathe mm-hmm. through your nose moving throughout the day. It's actually a better filter than the mouth. We teach mouth breathing in, in breath wave because of the openness of the lower energy centers. It creates more air capacity. There's all sorts of benefits of breathing through the mouth. It's very different than nose breathing. Since we've gone there, uh, we can't express ourselves through our nose. We can't yawn through the nose. We can't express our emotions through the nose. The breath is just more shamanically powerful through the mouth. And we know for sure that we can self-regulate and breathe in a really safe way through the mouth. I was really disappointed by James Nestor's book. Ultimately, I loved it because it's the most elaborately scientific delivery of the the science of breath that's ever been delivered in a book. But when I finished it, I was like, what? He just completely discredited mouth breathing without any experience Mm. of it other than holotropic breathing. And some Mm. blind study, and he set him up. He set himself up for failure in the study when he pin when he closes his nose shut and does like twenty days or whatever with his just breathing it through the mouth. He didn't do any mm. practice of breath work through his mouth. He was just doing exercise and he ended up getting sleep apnea and all sorts of yeah, clogs in his nose. Sense. And you know, I I called him on it and I, I asked him to come onto a podcast with me and, and he's like, Yeah, I'd be happy to and then he avoided me. But I talked to Dan Brule and he said that he had a chat with him and he was like, Dan, I wish I came and studied with you before I finished this book because now I realize that I missed some chapters. And ultimately, he, he discredits mouth breathing in that book by saying, shut your mouth and breathe through your nose, which is good advice for most people. But it discredits the power and the benefits that people, hundreds of thousands, millions of people have been experiencing since the 60s. Yeah. So I'm a mouth breather. I have a pretty crooked nose. I wiped out on my bike a couple of times when I was a kid. And and it's uh, it's not as effective for me to breathe through the nose than it is to breathe through the mouth. And so therefore, that's my exemption. I don't need a medical professional to tell me that I need an exemption. That's my exemption and that's my law. And that's the truth in the public. That's my that's what's true for me. And I can set what is true for me by speaking to it. And it's not trespass because that's my exemption. Yeah. Meaning that if someone required a mask in their storefront, people just got arrested some at some cafe in Vancouver because they weren't wearing a mask. They chose to stay. And so they were arrested for trespass. So there's a whole nother conversation here about law and what we Mm -hmm. set to be our law in the public jurisdiction. But ultimately, no one can tell you what to do with your property in the public jurisdiction. If it's a private jurisdiction like Costco, they set the rules in the private. But everywhere else is a public jurisdiction. So I'm an advocate for, you know, I identify as a fresh air breather. Let me say that. Mm And that's where I stand. And I realize that there's so much psychosis and people are, we're not getting anywhere by continuing to comply. So 
I'm going to continue to educate people in a gentle and humble way because my emotions are my emotions. And if I get angry about someone else telling me to do it, that's, that's, that's mine. Right. And, you know, being inappropriate in public isn't mature. So mm-hmm. I've sat with this enough to be like, I'm, I'm confident and humble and what I believe to be true for me and safe for me and therefore safe for my family. Um, I, I think it's uh, there's a lot of effects of the to the children, um, not just of wearing a mask, but seeing adults with masks on. There's a lack of facial re- recognition, and my wife—that's what my wife says to people now. It's just it's safe for it's safer for my children to see my face, and that's just that's just where we stand. So that wanted to come through. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you. Um, I feel that like, I feel that the biggest disconnect that has maybe not been a result of this, but has been really highlighted by the current situation is just that people are not willing to hear information that is like contrary to their beliefs, Mm -hmm. you know? And for me, I, whenever I like think about this, I think it, I feel that it just relates to our, like our sense of needing to feel safe, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's why I like, I, I've had a, well, I've had an easy time. I feel over this pandemic because I get it. I get why people are so scared, you know, because they, they need the news because the news tells them what's happening in the world and they need to know what's happening in the world so that they feel comfortable and they can sleep better. Yeah. You know, so it's yeah. like it's just so difficult but so that disconnect of like just not being able to hear contrary information without like this fight or flight reaction yeah and that's thing. where yeah. i was talking yeah. about parenting is like when we're attached to our beliefs we're gonna suffer right mm. and if i if i say for example and this is sort of ludicrous but that's how ludicrous things are these days it's laughable if my daughter says, I want chocolate ice cream, not vanilla, and I've got it attached in my mind that's like vanilla is better than her, better for her than chocolate, and she can only have vanilla, then she's going to be really upset if she wants chocolate, you know? Mm. And that's my attachment to my belief that she should have vanilla, even though she wants chocolate, Right? It's like everyone is entitled to what is true for them. And so therefore I'm going to, I'm going to listen. Obviously if I'm I'm not going to let her do something that's not safe and potentially going to cause her harm, but I'm definitely not going to put a mask on her. Mm. Right. And I know for sure because of my studies with breath work that that's, diminishing the amount of oxygen to her brain and therefore the development of her brain and i feel like it's child abuse to put a mask on a, on a child it's not mm. they're they've got a immune system that's bulletproof they don't need to mm. wear a mask they're not threatening each other with anything they're not mm. causing each other any harm why are we mm. making children wear masks these days it's fucking ludicrous and it's sad really that's the way I see it. And it's taking away our natural intelligence mm-hmm. of, of the technology that we are. 
We've been fighting viruses for billions of years. They come in as an upgrade and we get sick and we get better and we're stronger. That's what they do, even the man-made viruses. And so how have we forgotten that in two years? <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I realize and I see how the programming is so deep right from our childhood. We're taught to be good boys and girls for mommy and daddy. And we're not taught to explore our freedom and our creativity and our potential. So I'm inspired to create a school, brother. I'm inspired to, to create a new space for children to explore real life tools, teach them how to make a fire, teach them how to make a drum, give them some songs, you know, teach them how to do acrobatics and give them the, the opportunities to explore what they love to do. And some of my best teachers were my hockey coaches in the early days because they would help us get better at what our position was. They wouldn't give mm -hmm. us shit for not doing someone else's job. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. They were really good at helping us get better at what our job was and what we found to be our position on the ice, you know? And and life is a puzzle like that. And I see that as a village of really exploring what each other's gifts are and encouraging those gifts to be shared and honoring that as an equal value of the gifts that I have. And I see that this is a crumbling of all of the systems that haven't been working. So love is working behind all of this and it's carrying us through to a whole new time of living, letting mm -hmm. go of this retreat center that we've been working with for the last couple of years has been a perfect sign for me of that, of just letting go of the convenience because that's not moving us through forward mm -hmm. convenience anymore. It's like, if you're not doing your recycling now, that's just convenient for you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. And you don't give a mm. shit about where your garbage goes, right? But if you separate mm. it, there's no such thing as garbage because it can be reused, mm -hmm. right? And we can give, you know, like here on the farm, I give my compost to the chickens. I separate my garbage and it gets recycled. It gets reused. It's like that's, that's, it takes a little effort, but it's moving us forward into a more sustainable way of living with the resources that we have instead of continuing to take of what we have and that diminishes our resources. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the breath pattern is a really good thing to come back to that teaches us how to live sustainably. And I'm not leaning towards being a breatharian. I'm Italian and I love food. But I do believe because I have done my vision quests and I have experienced how we can live on prana. Um, if it comes down to it, I can live off my breath. Mm. Yeah. I also have mm -hmm. a Kangen water machine and I know the importance of really good structured, clean water these days and, and, you know, regeneration of, on a cellular level is it doesn't just come from from clean air and good breath pattern um we need to move we need to eat well you know we we all know what 
we're capable of when I think our power is our greatest fear and we all know what we need to do to make the positive changes in our lives we all know what's not working but we've been given a lot of tools just to numb the amount of stress that we've been dealing with right mm -hmm. and some of those things very clearly are not working for us as individuals and that's reflecting into the family container into the community and yeah, a lot of things are getting really clear for all of us. It's been a really good retreat. The forces mm -hmm. of nature have said, go home and think about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have yeah, a look exactly. at how you're living, right? And uh, I guess we we haven't fully gotten what this time has been here to teach us yet because it, it still continues, you know? Sure. But I can't, I can't pretend to know exactly what this is leading us towards. I just know it's, it's, there's a better world around the corner and, uh, it's, it's exquisite, unimaginable beauty and mutual love, intelligence, shared resources, right? The difference between cooperation and competition. Yeah. Thanks yeah, it's that, inevitable. Man. Yeah, it's so inevitable that <clears throat> that the change that has been not only like foretold for countless <laughs> countless centuries and like basically any any old uh indigenous tradition, you know, speaks of basically what's going on right now, some more explicitly than others. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, for me it's been like I've just let myself be incredibly entertained by all of it because just what you said there, it's like, <clears throat> we might not know right the second why something's happening, but I've had many experiences in my life where it's like, I have this experience and it seems really bad in the moment and it seems, and it's uncomfortable for sure, but like discomfort's not actually bad. It's the discomfort that like, lets you stand up from sitting on that red ant hill, you know, or you don't, you don't want to sit there anymore. But what I've noticed is that even these really uncomfortable situations, sometime later in the future, it becomes really clear why that happened. And I'm always better for it. You know, so it's like, I've mm -hmm. been really lucky for whatever reason, I've been able to see that about this situation and just like, kind of watch it as like that, over over dramatic north american soap opera that we alluded to earlier <laughs> you know because yeah my my favorite i might have mentioned it on here before but my favorite quote right now is a buddhist quote and it's if everything is both real and unreal you might as well burst out laughing mm. because i've just like and uh, you know people on this whatever path we're on have done the thinking, you know, and you get to this place in the thinking of what might this all be, you get to this kind of wall where you can't really get past because maybe we just can't process that kind of information or whatever. And so it's like, yeah, let's just like, let's just have a laugh at what's happening because mm -hmm. something else is coming. And like, you know, while that craziness is like happening over there on the playground, like, 
let do you want to go on the swings for a bit <laughs> until it like chills out over there mm-hmm. i don't know that's just, well uh, that's i just... also want to offer that you know if something's happening we could we can bring love and change the experience of what's happening on the playground i was yeah. talking to an elder of mine yesterday and a breast council that we had and he said he learned to go in the village, not in fear of what the village was going to do to me, but with the awareness and the love of what I was going to bring to the village. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I'm processing it now as the difference between fear and love. Mm-hmm. It's like if we see something happening on the playground and someone's potentially going to get hurt, what if we can bring love and say, hey, you guys, can we have a little bit more fun? Or, you know, like, I'm I'm one to to stir the pot, but I'm not, I don't, I'm not one to run away from confrontation. Unless it's, mm. you know, a battle that I don't want to fight, of course. I've been able to squash fights over the years. But what I'm saying is I see, I'm a solutionary. And I see how I can bring a positive influence and potentially change the outcome of a situation that might not be that good. And so how can we take the best out of the situation right now, mm-hmm. learn from it and move forward? We're not going back to normal, mm-hmm. right? And I see how most Canadians are just com- continuing to comply, hoping that our lives are going to go back to normal. And that's, not going to work here because the government's going to take as much as they can for as long as they can. It's mm-hmm. been really good business model for these last couple of years, right? Yeah. For all the companies yeah. that are invested in this. And I think that's, if we follow the money, we see what's behind all of this. And obviously there's this whole frequency of energy of, imbalance you know that's coming to a peak that's needing to crumble of you know whether it's the financial system you know we can convolute it or give our own ideas into it but it's it's bringing us to our own evolution it's bringing us through a powerful time and the, the the darkest time is right before the dawn we all know that as you spoke to we experience more growth and change and evolution and, and challenging times. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm seeing some great awakening happening. That's what I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah, I'd love to admit to having to like noticing uh an immaturity in myself that I really want. I'm really, it's easy to say I'm ready to step out of it, but I would, I would love to be ready to step out of it in that, like over this, over these past couple of years, I've just been sitting back and, and being entertained rather than like, I think I've lacked the, lacked some part of maybe it's like compassionate maturity or something to be able to like 
step into these conversations and like, and not just like come in, stir the pot and then jump out kind of thing, you know, cause I also have my own avoidance of conflict tendencies, mm-hmm. which, you know, your, your, your approach is something that I really look up to and seek to emulate, but yeah, I, I, this, this whole year I'm, I'm really wanting to focus on the archetype of the warrior just because I see the warrior as the one, you know, who can, can walk into the village, you know, and there might be like, there's, there's not like zero fear. He knows something might happen, but he still goes in because he has a purpose, you know, and, and within his purpose is this compassion for the people, you know? So that's really something that I'm seeking to build in myself because I've really, I've noticed it not be fully developed yet or yeah, I don't know. And uh, when you speak to that, what comes up for me is emotional maturity again, right? Because that's what we develop gradually. And that's what I've been developing more as a parent. And it's like the warrior doesn't lose his shit emotionally, right? Mm -hmm. He's been broken down over and over and over by his teachers so much that he's, you know, he's become a warrior. And so he's calm and collected. And present and aware and unfuckwithable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In a way that he's also able to see others and be fully compassionate of where others are at and to help, to offer a helping hand instead of just telling others what to do. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not a, a, a warrior, is not a boss. Right. This whole, there's so many words from our society that we've gained that we, you know, the boss man, the guy who's Mm -hmm. in charge, you know, like Mm -hmm. so much of this mentality of the patriarch is crumbling. And it's the Mm -hmm. feminine wisdom of the collective, the family, that everyone's needs are met. And that no one's hurt in the process, right? Mm-hmm. But people are going to get hurt. People are going to fall down and break something sometimes. And, you know, we learn from that. A bone gets stronger where it's broken, mm-hmm. right? And I believe that we're creating more resilience, more strength, more bravery, more courage. If you're stepping up in any way and looking at your stuff these days as a human being, you're becoming a more mature man or woman. Mm -hmm. And I think emotional maturity is the most important thing right now to, to grow up. And that's what the law is teaching me as well. I strongly recommend the sovereign's way law for mankind. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's the law common to I it's different than most of the trainings that are out there that, teach us to relinquish our birth certificates and all that. They teach us that we can maintain the titles that we use in society for the benefits and privileges that we get from those titles. But at any time we can get up and walk away from the monopoly game and we're still a man or a woman and we have a creator's laws intact. So there's, there's uh, it's been a really empowering process to, to learn that. And, you know, we're getting to an hour and a half here. I don't want to dive into it, but it's important. 
it's important now to to realize that we're not slaves to the legal system. The legal system's there for our protection and our benefit. But a mandate, for example, is a is a voluntary thing. We have to choose to participate. It doesn't say that it's law, it's legal. Law mm. is fact, legal is fiction. The legal system's there to support us and to keep us safe. The law is something that can't be trumped. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the most important thing in setting forth our frequency, which becomes our life experience, is our emotional body. How clear are we? If we set an intention to manifest something, do we believe that we can manifest it? If we set an intention that our kids are safe when they go into the playground, do we believe that they're safe? Mm. Do I believe that I'm safe when I'm moving out into the world? Or am I actually afraid? Mm-hmm. Right? And so it's up to each of us to sit with what we're still afraid of. Mm-hmm. And that's why I love the breath. Mm. Because it's mm. everyone's medicine. And you take full responsibility for doing your work. I'm not going to claim to do that work for you. I can't drink a glass of water for you. But I can offer you a technique that, that teaches you how to be a more aware and savor that glass of water. Mm-hmm. But you have to drink it yourself. You have to experience the benefits and the challenges and the resistance of the journey of opening your breath. And you have to be disciplined to some degree to continue to reap the benefits. Mm. Right? That's mm. your responsibility. And so that's why I love I'm just handing people the ball. It's like this is your game. Like we can we can play here, but ultimately you're the author and the actor. Right? Do you want to just act or do you want to write the story? Oh. That um, that way of just passing the ball or just passing the way of passing the ball really works for me too, because, you know, after level three, then it was like, okay, now if you want to fully complete this, it's like you got to come back and assist in some trainings and you got to do, not you gotta, but part of the, you know, part of the training is to fully embody it with 40 days straight, right? And I I went for it. <laughs> I went for it last spring and I got 30 days in. And on like day 30, I was like, day 30, I actually facilitated. So then I was like, you know, and it, and it was pretty late after that. And then I was like, oh, okay, well, I don't have to breathe today because I facilitated. You know, I made that deal with myself. And then when I woke up in the morning, I was like, oh, fuck. No, 
<laughs> no. <laughs> so, yeah, really work. Still, still working on my emotional maturity. It's time to it's time to tackle that again. Yeah, I think springtime I, I, is a good time for that kind of thing. What does that mean? You got another couple months to be a kid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any more finals for a few months, so it's nice. fine. Um, yeah, to close out, I so I've been uh, I've been pretty involved in men's work for the first time starting last year, and it's been super profound. Just like having that having that container to to lean on and to uh, be accountable to, you know, week after week, and a lot of men are getting into this stuff and those who do are really feeling the power in it and like, you know, starting to understand why we need brotherhood. Um, and the same for the sisters, the sisters are doing the work too. And so I would love to get like, what, what kind of a message do you have for the young men and women uh, individually, like the men first and then the women second? Or like, you know, what do what does what does the masculine need to be not need to be, but what would be the highest benefit for the people for the masculine to be focusing on right now, and then the feminine after? For the men, it feels like deep listening. Mm. Surrender. Learn the feminine qualities of introspection. Turn within. We've been really good at being motivated and looking out and goal oriented. Yeah, that's the masculine. How can we turn within more and become more mature with that introspection and listen to what comes up, but also listen to our relations. Listen to the women. They have the voice. They know in their bodies. They've got more connections in their in the bridge in their brain. They're more put together. They actually are more put together and wise. The women. They have different qualities, yeah. Mm -hmm. But as far as carrying us forward into a new sustainable way of living, it's the women and they're carrying us forward. We have to listen to their voice. It's time for them to speak up. So I would encourage women to to step into that more, their their masculine nature, while staying grounded and humbled and wise and intuitive in the abilities that they already have. But it's time for the women to, to speak up more, to express their creativity, to bring their art and their song, their dance, their medicine, their healing more into the world. So I'd like to see more forward movement from the women and more stepping back. If we see that in the circle, it's like the, the women are stepping forward, the men are stepping back. Hmm. The men have been leading more of the ceremonies for hundreds of years. It's time for the women to lead and the, women, the men to step back. I feel like there'll be more balance. And of course, you know, they're going to require our leadership and our strength and our guidance throughout that process doesn't mean mm -hmm. that we're non-existent. We're having a men's circle at the end of the month as well in Vancouver. Looking forward to that. And the same day the women are going to gather with my wife. 
Oh, epic. Are you going to take Shay? She'll take Sophie. (laughs) We're going to just give each other the space to be in circle while the other parent hangs out with both the kids. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Better. So wise you are. Yeah. Live and learn, brother. Training. <laughs> yeah, I for sometimes I forget that people have a couple of years experience on me on that. But um what are is there is like closing out, is there is there projects you're working on right now or anything you'd like to uh throw some energy towards or anything mm. that's coming up that you're excited about or can mention any potential trainings that are coming up? And we'll post all the links after, but uh, Yeah, thank you. You can just keep uh current on all of our trainings are always up on our website breathwave.net just google breathwave and all of our trainings are there we we chose a new location that wasn't discriminating for february march april so there's a level Mm -hmm. one two and three coming up but the level one's actually full so if you haven't taken the training with us you're gonna have to wait till may to come into the next level one training uh it's possibly back on bowen and then there's continued trainings through the whole year anytime can people can tune in to soundcloud i've been doing my best to get things up on spotify but it's like pulling teeth um maybe you can share with me how you got your podcast up on there um i went through cd baby and i've been able to get in there but all my stuff is free on soundcloud you can there's several different guided breath sessions on soundcloud under robin clements and yeah stay in tune stay in touch reach out i I do private sessions online Uh, i'd love to get people together in person and up close and intimate in in a circle my main project that is really strong in my heart is to to get some land and build a village Mm -hmm. so if anyone's inspired and there's an angel investor listening that wants to throw down and be part of that uh we'll reach out but it's time it's time for us all to live together more in community community is the next currency and uh yeah we got to stay together and take care of each other as we move forward here Mm -hmm. beautiful dude thank you so much thank you so much for your commitment to the path and to your path and you know, to follow your inspiration to share this medicine because, I mean, everybody I know that has gone through the training or has experienced the levels and and level one, by the way, is like extremely experiential. Like you do two breathing sessions a day and like it's a it's a whole healing retreat in itself. It's unbelievable. But yeah, Robin, thank you so much, man. Like everything you're doing is making huge waves, huge, big, beautiful, gentle, surfable waves for the people to ride on and like yeah breath waves not going anywhere dude it's it's amazing it's like the most ancient technology and it seems that the ancient technologies are coming around again so yeah we'll see what happens and i also gotta say that vanilla is better than chocolate um just because (laughs) i mentioned that earlier it's the most refined flavor (laughs) You got anything else, Sensei? 
No, thank you, brother. I just encourage everyone to be themselves. Mm-hmm. Follow your heart. Your body knows. Your heart knows. Keep listening. Following that truth. It's yours. It's unique. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. It's who you are. Be you. Mm-hmm. Be you, baby. Okay, thank you so much, people. Check out Robin anywhere. You will not regret it. Go meet him. Take the training. It's literally life-changing. And then you'll be able to assist other people in changing their lives even more. So, all right. Talk to you guys soon. (laughs) Thank you, brother. Oh.